Welcome into the Sports Buffoons Podcast. Pippin' ain't easy. Oh, yes. Here we go again for another Chiefs Weekend Podcast here with Mike Settle, your boy. And I am running solo today. Thank you so much for joining in with me. So let's talk some football. Ooh, I'm a football player. <laughs> Coach, I'd like to tackle him right now, please. Uh, yes. Um, so I, I'm very excited about the games coming up here Sunday uh, evening and Sunday night. And I have some things I want to talk about about the NFL that's gone on, some changes I've seen in the NFL and in a very positive direction. Now, I tend to be very critical of the NFL and the way the NFL runs their business. I'm not afraid to, you know, call a spade a spade and call them out for certain things that they're doing, certain actions that they're doing. I mean, do we all miss certain aspects of the way the NFL used to be, you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago? Absolutely. I think I think all of us probably have some kind of memory of the way things used to be ran in the NFL and the way things got adjusted over time, especially once our commissioner, Roger Goodell, took over. So um, besides all that, I see something very positive that has gone on in week one. In week one of the NFL season, I saw the fewest holding penalties that I've ever seen as an NFL fan and I watched many games across the board uh, I, I spent the whole day hanging out just watching games obviously because the Chiefs who had already played on Thursday so we got that out of our systems I just got to sit back and watch a plethora of other teams play really enjoyed the Colts first Jaguars game really enjoyed the Falcons game as well they, they ended up losing uh, but I just enjoyed sitting back and getting to watch a wide range of, of different games being played. But the number one thing I noticed, as I just mentioned, was the fact that holding penalties were down so much. And the fact that there was only 15 called during the entire week of week one in the NFL. And that is the lowest the NFL has seen as far as 15 holding penalties were called. That's it. Um, for, for the entire 16 games that were played. That's amazing. That's amazing to me. And that tells me that... I think at some point the officials have talked and they've, they've gone over it and they've decided we need to keep our flags in our pocket and just let the players play a little bit more. And I think that's a great aspect. I think there's so many games that get controlled by bad calls. And now there's some people that want to complain about, oh, you're not calling it enough now. You're letting too much go on and missed calls, things of that nature. And look, you, you do too much, you do not enough. You're going to get people to complain. Now, for my sake, as an NFL fan who's watched this sport since I was honestly born, uh, I think that I saw a really, really good week one of the NFL season. I think we saw good quality football. I think the Broncos game was one of the anomalies of the week, and I think the rest of the teams played really well, especially without having a preseason. I think that was huge for the NFL's sake, and I think it's a great turn. Um, and I'll put this in perspective for you guys real quick. For week one of 2019, there were 64 holding penalties called uh, from offensive linemen. And week one of 2018, there was 53 holding penalties. So when we look at 2020 now, going into our first week of the NFL season, there's only 15 called. Clearly, they've been discussing this. Clearly, this has been something on their mind about the way that they want to kind of organize the games from an officiating standpoint. Because let's be honest, the referees do have a lot of power and control of the games you watch every Sunday, Thursday, or Monday. And it does get frustrating. I think I saw a call at the end of the Cowboys game 
it was very frustrating as well. The Cowboys had a chance to go down at least tie the game after a big reception by Michael Gallup, who was called for an offensive pass interference push-off right before he made a play. Now, Jalen Ramsey sold the play really well. Uh, he did a very good acting job, so good for him. But there was just a very slight nudge of the arm from Michael Gallup, and I think the Cowboys were in a position there where they could have at least tied the game with a field goal, if not gone down and just drove it in to potentially win that game. So I was not a big fan of that call. But look, every week we're going to have calls. It is the NFL. We're, it's, it's football. There's going to be bad calls. There's going to be great calls. There's going to be calls that, that you know seem to be incorrect and are not consistent. And that's probably the most important thing for me is consistency within officiating. And I thought the NFL put out such a great product uh, this past week in week one with, with all the things that have gone on in football. Holding is one of the most controversial type of penalties you can have because considering the fact that, as we've talked about before, as an NFL fan, uh, holding can be called in almost every single play. Almost every single play, holding can be called if you choose for it to be called. And the biggest problem I have is when it's called in very crucial situations, times where the game is on the line, times where it's third down, times where a conversion happens, and yet, oh, it's coming on back. And why is it coming back? Ah, slight tug of the jersey, slight tug of the hold. Or, you know, let's, for instance, put this into Chiefs' perspectives. When we had James Harrison get called, Eric Fisher, actually, I should say, against James Harrison get called for a holding penalty that would have tied the Chiefs' game in a playoff game just a few years ago when Alex Smith had a conversion made there. And we, I think we, we all know what we're talking about there when James Harrison fell to the ground, and uh, that was a called a holding penalty when we had that game tied up in a playoff game with Alex Smith throwing, I believe, to Demetrius Harris for that one. So... Those are the types of penalties, those are the types of calls that I cannot stand to see happen when the game's on the line, when, the, when the, something crucial is going on. You're affecting the outcome of the game. And if the NFL can continue this from going forward after the week one, the success that I saw of efficiency and quality of play of the league, I think this is going to be great. I think this is a great way to go into this and to really die down the number of holding penalties, which went down gosh, 64, like I said, 64 to 53, and then this year, week one, 15. So I love, I love that direction the NFL is going in. I hope it continues. I hope it's just not just a one-week fluke where they did decided to keep the flags in their pockets for one week. I want to see players play. I want to see, you know, let's go. Let's go play football. Let's, let's not worry about, ah, gosh, I got a 30-yard run downfield, but it's coming back every single time because the referees want to dictate the pace of the game and the flow of the game. And let's be honest, in some ways, it feels like they're actually choosing who they want to win the game. For whatever reason, I don't know. That's beyond me. One other thing I want to hit on real quick as far as the NFL is concerned is that I think if you are a sports better for the NFL, you need to be adjusting your thought process when it comes to who you're picking and the points you're taking this season in particular. This season in particular was going to be more different than ever before. Home teams went 8-8 eight and eight in week one and 9-7 and seven against the spread. So put that in perspective, and let's understand the fact that there's very, very minimal viewership of fans at the actual game. The atmosphere of the stadiums across the league is different now. Some stadiums are not allowing any fans at all. Some sta stadiums are allowing a capacity of about 16 to 17,000 like the Chiefs. The Jacksonville Jaguars allowed 6,000 fans. So every team's doing it a little bit differently. 
But when you're looking at home and away teams, when you're trying to pick games, or if you're a betting man, I think you need to throw a lot of that out the window. I mean, let's just let's move on from that for the moment because with the way the NFL structured in 2020, I don't think there's a home field advantage that matters. And now traditionally, if you're a betting man, the home field team gets an automatic three points added already to the expectation of the point spread. So, for instance, the Chiefs here this week coming in with a line of minus eight and a half. Uh, and then they're away team. So let's assume this was a normal year. The Chargers are going to get an automatic two and a half to three points added on considering that they're the home team in this game. And so you then look at that and go, okay, so then the Chiefs should actually win by 11 and a half, 11, 12 points, right? So I, I think Vegas is confused about how to structure their betting odds this year. I think they're very confused about what to do as far as the betting lines go. And I think we as fans should take advantage of that this year. I think that if, you, if you're in Vegas, you're on Bovada, something like that, and you see some of these betting lines for the away team, take the away team with the points. I think you have a very good shot of uh, being successful this year in particular with the situation going on and with the lack of home field advantage. Yes, they're piping in crowd noise. Yes, they're trying to do their best to make it feel like it's a home environment for the teams that are playing at home. But it's not the same. It's not going to be the same. Um, and I just think going forward for the NFL's sake, uh, we're, just, we're not going to experience home field advantage from a sake of winning perspective. And it, you know, it used to matter if you went to Green Bay to play. Sure, if you're not used to the weather. Sure, if you're coming from las vegas or los angeles or miami and you go to green bay yes that can make an impact on a home field advantage for those away teams we've seen that before we've seen Derek carr puss out because of a injured pinky at times and his record at arrowhead in december is freaking horrible the guy cannot play in cold weather so those things are still in play but when you see two traditional teams let's just for instance say the Atlanta Falcons and New Orleans Saints, both dome teams, both teams that play inside of a dome of some kind, then it doesn't matter. It does not matter at all, I don't believe. I think this year, if you're a betting man, you should be looking to actually take the away team more with those points, and I think you're going to be very happy with the outcome of those. Just take advantage of the situation. And when you see teams like Chargers who are supposed to supposedly lose by – Eight and a half points is is the current line. The Chiefs, I believe, are going to cover that. I was one point off last week, as a matter of fact, of the exact score outcome of the Chiefs and Houston Texans. I had predicted 34-21 Chiefs over Texans. Ended up turning out 34-20 Chiefs over Texans. So one point off on that one. Um, and you know, this week coming up, let's uh, you know, let's dive into some Chiefs. So the one issue we're going to have, at least on the Chiefs' end of this, is that we are very limited in our secondary at the cornerback spot right now with Travis Ward out with a broken hand and with Brashad Breeland out still dealing with his suspension from stupidity. Uh, <laughs> I think we're going to be in a situation where we have a lot of young guys right now at cornerback. Legereus Sneed looked really, really good last week. Remember, he's a fourth-round pick. So mid-round pick, shows up, starts day one of his NFL career, and does a really, really good job against Will Fuller. Uh, I thought that he was phenomenal, actually, in that game. He, he showed up. He, I mean, he, he proved he's willing to tackle. He did take a bad angle at one point against David Johnson on that touchdown run, but 
Look, let's give the guy a break. The guy, the guy showed up. Really, really good athlete. Um, had a great time at the combine. Great measurables. So I'm really hoping he can just pick up where he left off and just come on in and yeah, hopefully he can uh, shut down the duo of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams over there with the L.A. Chargers. And I think it's a possibility. I don't. I mean, first of all, Keenan Allen's going to get open. Keenan Allen is a great receiver. And uh, the biggest problem we're going to run into, as far as from the Chiefs' end of standpoint, with the corners, is going to be just the depth. Rashad Fenton is also going to be involved. Antonio Hamilton looks like, so far, the weakest link, in my opinion, from the nickel position. I think that he, him replacing Kendall Fuller is not going to be as smooth as we'd hoped for. I think Antonio Hamilton... Uh, we're going to find out real soon what we have in him coming up this week as he gets more playing time. I'm a little nervous about that one. And then one guy, the fourth corner on our list, and that's fourth and last, is our also another rookie, Bo Pete Keys. And I think that he's going to get some a little bit of playing time at least. But the great news with our team at least is that we do have a couple guys at safety who can play some nickels, some corners. So as we know with Tyron Matthew, he's available to play really anywhere on the field. So if we're really struggling at some point on the outside boundaries against our Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, then I think Tyron Matthew will get more involved as far as playing up on the line of scrimmage a little bit more on those outside boundaries while we let Juan Thornhill and Daniel Sorensen patrol the back end at safety. So I think we could run into some issues for sure as far as that goes defensively. But, gosh, Steve Spagnolo, our defensive coordinator, the guy is very, very smart. The guy is very creative with some of his play calls. Uh, we saw a play last week that I don't know if many of you very much paid attention to where we literally had Chris Jones and Frank Clark dropping into coverage while we were blitzing off, you know, between like Sorensen and Tyron Matthew was coming in, I think of that one, and it was a very creative play call. It was on, it was a, it was our third defensive play of the game, as a matter of fact. But I think Spagnolo was basically just kind of throwing him the uh, trash can blitz, as we want to call it. We rushed five on that play, so uh, I think that he's going to have something that he does to try to draw Tyrod Taylor, the Chargers quarterback, off guard a little bit, and. Uh, that's also a guy that Tyrod Taylor doesn't turn the ball over a lot. He's one of those dudes, he's he's actually a pretty decent game manager, and the Chiefs actually lost to him when he was with the Buffalo Bills in 2017. So he's given us a little bit of problems in the past, but uh, at the same time, he's not really a game changer. He's not a guy that's going to go out there and you need to be worried about. If nothing else, just limit him to the abilities he has in the passing game. He went 16 of 30 last week against the Cincinnati Bengals. So he could do a little bit better this week against the Chiefs, I think. But at the same time, I highly doubt that uh, we have too much to worry about on that end. Contain him in the pocket. Don't let him scramble too much. He's a very good runner. Uh, but as far as passing game-wise, he's one of those guys that just doesn't turn the ball over. And he also doesn't really throw downfield. So... You know what you got to worry about from the Chiefs' end standpoint. You know what you got to prepare for. You know what to expect. So even with the Chiefs being limited with the cornerback situation, uh, I think we know how to game plan for that and how to go about that going forward. Now let me go ahead and tell you some fun facts about the Chiefs and Chargers' history over the last five years. Now keep in mind, this includes both Alex Smith era as well as the new Patrick Mahomes era. But the Chiefs are 9-1 versus the Chargers since 2015. 
that last loss coming when Mike Williams had a push off two point conversion at the very end of the game where we no longer had a chance to on offense to come back and put up any points to come back and win. So that game, there was a no call. Chargers ended up winning. That was their last time, as well as the fact that the Chiefs have 19 interceptions against the Chargers uh, since 2015 as well. So obviously, um, Phillip Rivers was a big part of that. He knows how to get us that ball. Tyrod Taylor <laughs> might come with a little bit different of an approach. I, You know, he might turn the ball over, but he's not traditionally that kind of quarterback. Tyrod Taylor is very much your normal game manager. He has 20 career interceptions, and he just does a really good job of taking care of the ball. So i got to give him a lot of props for that. We're finally facing the Chargers for the first time in a long time without their guy, Phillip Rivers. So it's going to be a new experience uh, for the Chiefs and for the Chargers as well as far as facing us with a new quarterback. So, hey, I'm excited for them as well as the fact that uh, we're going to go in there and wax that ass. Over those last 10 games, we've scored over 30 points six times. And as I said, that was with Alex Smith as well for three of those years. So uh, I think they got another thing coming here with the L.A. Chargers. But one thing I do want to mention real quick is I don't talk about them too much yet on this podcast because I don't want to spend three days straight talking about my my love, the love of my life, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, how the fact he needs just 377 yards passing on Sunday, this Sunday this afternoon for 10,000 yards passing for his career. And he would be doing that in the shortest time span of any quarterback in NFL history to hit 10,000 passing yards. So uh, I I don't necessarily believe he's going to do it against the Chargers. I don't think it's going to be necessary because traditionally when we see Pat have to throw for that much yardage, it's in a game where it's more of a shootout situation, high scoring, and the Chargers are not going to present us with a very high-scoring game. I mean, I, my prediction, I'll throw it in here right now, Chiefs 31, Chargers 17 is my official score prediction. And look, the, the way the Chiefs are designed these days, we get a lead and we protect it. We pass the ball to get a lead, get a lead and run the ball to protect it. So... I don't think we're going to need Mahomes to throw for 377 yards and hit 10,000 quite yet. I think he actually hits that mark on Monday Night Football against the Baltimore Ravens coming up in week three. So um, I, I think that we're looking forward to that aspect going forward at least. Cool, great, setting more records week by week, day by day for Patrick Mahomes. But uh, one thing you have to watch out for is a couple of the edge rushers the Chargers present with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. Both of them combined for 11 pressures last week. And Joey Bosa in particular, as we know about the Bosas, considering Mahomes just played against his brother Nick Bosa in the Super Bowl with the 49ers. Joey Bosa is a really, really good defensive end. And uh, for some reason, it, it runs in that family. It's almost like the Watts with J.J. and T.J. Watt. Both of those guys are phenomenal athletes. And Joey Bosa is a phenomenal player, and he's going to get pressure on Mahomes during this game. Absolutely. There's there's no denying it. It's going to happen. But we all know how Mahomes is. He does a really good job as far as escaping the pocket and scrambling abilities. So that is going to come into play without a doubt because the Chargers, as average as their defense is, they do have a couple of really good edge rushers. And their, their best uh, secondary player, as a matter of fact, Derwin James is out for the year with an injury. So he's out of the game. So it's going to be more about 
if the offensive line can just give Mahomes time to be able to throw downfield, if at all, if nothing else, look, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be getting involved in the passing game this week. Just wait and see. Screens, they're going to be coming. A little underneath dinks and dunks, they're going to be coming. We're going to be going, Pat, why aren't you throwing it downfield? Why aren't you throwing it downfield like you used to in 2018? Well, he doesn't need to. Yes, we're going to be in a situation where it's like, like we, we don't really need him to do that. Because guess what? When we do need him to do that, potentially against the Baltimore Ravens, potentially against the Patriots, potentially against other teams coming up down the schedule as time goes on, uh, we, then, yes, we can open it up a little bit. What you want from Mahomes is not just always throwing it down the field and putting up you know, downfield passing for 50 yards, this and that. You want efficiency. You want efficiency from Mahomes. You want him to take what the defense is giving him. That second year when he put up 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards, the defenses were just like, oh, we'll see what this guy's made of. We'll see what he has. And quickly, whenever he threw six touchdowns against the Pittsburgh Steelers in, I believe, his fourth game of his entire career, they were like, oh, shit, okay, this guy's for real. So we're going to go ahead and start game planning and adjusting to Mahomes a little bit. Now, now, look, they've adjusted to him a little bit. They know what he's capable of. They know how good he is. Same time, Mahomes has adjusted back to them at the same time. He knows what to do, what not to do. He knows capabilities. He knows, just look, if it's not there deep, live for another down. And we don't need to always chuck it downfield all the time. Take the underneath. If the CGs want to play off and play deep, guess what? We'll have guys underneath. We'll have, we'll have Clyde Edwards-Alaire. We'll have Hardman. We'll have Tyreek. We'll have Kelsey. All playing shallow. Whatever the case may be. We'll, we'll have designs to get the ball moving down the field. It just might not always be through the air down the field like it had been for a couple years. So that's just something to watch out for going forward. We still have the best quarterback in the entire NFL, so there's no denying that. All right, you guys. I am very excited about the game. The games coming up throughout the Sunday, Monday. We got Saints and Raiders on Monday night, so I'm excited about that one. But uh, most of all, I want you guys to give us a follow on Twitter, at Sports Buffoons. We are very happy to interact with all of you guys and answer questions. Uh, anything you want to know, anything you have an, a, you know, discuss an opinion with with us, we are always willing to sit there, listen, and respond, and take time to talk to you guys. So uh, just give us a follow on there uh, and hit us up. Follow, give us a follow on Spotify as well. We have much more content coming. I know uh, my guy here, Jason JG, has some NBA talk coming up. So be prepared for that. So that'll be coming up here in the very next podcast, as a matter of fact. So uh, just be ready for that. If that's NBA is something that you love listening to, well, hell yeah, we're going right down your alley then. So uh, until next time, we have you guys coming up some point next week. I believe we'll have the full crew back together once again. Always give that one a listen. We have a lot of great banter. And gosh, if you guys have like talking points, like throw something at us. We will definitely add you to the mix, give you a shout-out, and you know, if you have fantasy questions as well, so go ahead and give us that as well. So we love just talking sports in general. So uh, until next time, like I said, you guys, thank you so much for listening, and I will see you all on the next one.